it's a great pleasure to get to introduce you this morning to our guest speaker. Uh, we're doing a series at the moment called Papa, and in this series we are exploring the, the greatest story that this church is part of. Uh, and that is to say, it's a very big story. So for several weeks now, we've been looking at a couple of big things. Um, uh, several weeks ago, we looked at Peter's confession. We looked at the creed, uh, we've looked at the vineyard movement, we've looked at this story of Central Vineyard last week, and today we're going to be looking at the story in Aotearoa, the bicultural journey, uh, Pai in Aotearoa, the good news in Aotearoa. And so to do that, we've asked a guest to come and share with us this morning, and we've got the great pleasure of, of, of hosting um, Amy Tate. So Amy, why don't you come on up and I'll welcome you up here. Come on up. For those of you who don't know Amy, you might know her mother-in-law and her father-in-law, Phil and Bron. So some of you are putting two and two together now, like, ah, yes. Uh, so Bron was here um, earlier this year and last year speaking. Uh, Phil and Bron are Amy's mother-in-law and father-in-law. So her husband, Nick, uh, is uh, their son. Uh, and Nick and Amy together planted and lead Kotomako Vineyard in Palmerston North. And uh, we've had the pleasure of getting to start to do life with you in those years since you started that. Um, it's been real fun to get to know you guys. You've become a real gift in the movement and a gift in our friendships. And we absolutely love you. And we're so grateful that you've come up today. Thank you for leaving your family behind for 24 hours and getting on a plane and coming up and spending, spending the day with us. We're really grateful for that. And we receive you as a gift as you start now. We receive what you have and what you've prepared. So let me pray for you and, uh, and let's get going. Lord, we thank you for Amy Tate. We thank you for this wonderful woman and, and all that she's about to share. We thank you for what she's prepared. We thank you for what she's put thought into and crafted. But Lord, we also thank you for her ability to hear your voice and to see what you're doing. And so just in these next uh, 25, 30 minutes as she shares with us, Lord, give her eyes to see give her ears to hear that as she speaks into this community, into this moment with us, uh, she could go where you're leading her. We pray that in your name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Welcome. Morena um, koutou. Nā mahi nui ki a koutou katoa, nō tōrere o ko tūpuna, ko Naitai te iwi, nō Palmerston North Ahau, ko Amy Tukuingawa. Good morning, Central Vineyard. It's a um, real pleasure and delight to be with you this morning. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, as Dan said, my husband Nick and I live in Palmerston North, and we have four children. I have a picture of them. Oh no, thank you so much. I was just checking if I had the clicker, if I was meant to do the clicker. <laughs> so we have four children and an unphotogenic dog. Uh, and um, we planted Kurimakal Vineyard about four years ago now. So I have really loved listening along to your wonderful Papa series. It's been really good and I really enjoyed listening to your co-leaders interview last week. And I did think uh, Dan and Rob, just with their little competition about who was the baddest boy, I actually think it was Gab. Like, she was little, wasn't she? So she was like, a, like an original little Harley Quinn, uh, destroying her dad's stereo with what did they call it? I think it was the Raisin Bandit. <laughs> 
Um, so we started our Kurimako Vineyard about four years ago. We celebrated our fourth birthday in August. And we, like a younger sibling, have gleaned and learnt from your story um, as we've gone along these four years. And so your story um, is kind of a little bit of part of our story as well. So we thank you. So you'll be familiar with the famous Fakatoki. I've heard it a few times throughout your series, the Fakatoki Kamua Kamuri, which, as you know, is the concept of walking backwards into the future. And the big idea of this series, it sounded to me, is that as a church, you're moving forward into everything God has for Central Vineyard, but you're doing so in a posture that you know what has gone before you, what your roots are, and what the foundation of the church is. And as Dan and others have shared through the concept of Whakapapa, um, we are all part of a bigger story that has been going on centuries before us. And we live in the legacy of that, and we also have responsibility as participants as that story continues to unfold and then eventually go beyond us. So I've got some pictures from a scene in The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. You may have seen the movie or you may have read the book from C.S. Lewis. And you may recognise these scenes. In this scene, Lucy and Edmund, they are looking at a painting, a picture that's on the wall in their room. And they're thinking that something looks familiar about it. And then something starts to happen. Lucy can start to feel the sea breeze on her face. And then water starts to trickle out of the painting until it starts gushing into the room and they're pulled into Narnia, right into the scene that was depicted in the picture. And it's a great scene because I feel like it illustrates how we often view history or even the scriptures, like we're looking at a stagnant painting um, as objective observers, almost emotionally detached, just taking in information. But as we see in these scenes, Edward and Lucy are pulled into the story and they become observers, they become immersed in the story. And I think as we look at our whakapapa, uh, we can immerse ourselves in the story to see what God has done and is doing so that we can walk better informed into the future. If you know the history of Te Rongopai, um, and the church being established and formed in this whenua, in this land, uh, you'll know there's a lot of stories. There's a lot to unpack. And this morning I'm going to touch on a, a couple of threads of Te Rongopai and some of the inheritance that we have of that as the church. So some of the stories um, I want to share you probably know, and some of them are my own. And I'm just going to read uh, Gen from Genesis before I get into that. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And right from the beginning, the spirit of God has been hovering over Aotearoa. And in 1766, uh, there was a man named Toiroa. He was a matakiti, a seer, a, a prophet. And he foresaw that 
the arrival of Europeans. And he would go around um, from village to village sharing what he had seen. And he would draw for them pictures of what he had seen, of the clothes that um, these unknown people would wear, what their boats would look like, even the, the pipes that they smoked out of, what they would look like. And I kind of think through the Spirit of God, he was preparing the people for what was to come. And in that same year, in Mahia Peninsula, he prophesied about these unknown people, saying, Te ingoa o te ratau atua, ko tama i roro i kutia, he atua pai, o tira kangaro ano te tangata, which translated into English, means the name of their God will be Tamai Eruro Kutua, son who was killed. A good God, however, the people would still be oppressed. And 28 years later, in 1814, on Christmas Day, at Rangihoa in the Bay of Islands, uh, Samuel Marsden from the Anglican Church Missionary Society, he was invited to come and preach. And this was the first public uh, gospel message in Aotearoa. And he was invited by a respected chief from Napuhi called Ruatara. And he had actually met Marsden earlier, and he was eager for Marsden to come and share uh, this the story of Jesus with his people. So he actually spent a year um, arranging this gathering to happen. And on that day, on that Christmas day in 1814, he had gathered three to 400 chiefs and their people to come and listen to Samuel Marsden. And he translated for him. And everyone that was there responded with joy and they performed a haka called Te Haria Napuhi. I mean, it has key phrases in it. Um, you may have heard this and that is describing the process of shifting and changing and making space and another phrase mehe pipi faroroa uh, speaking of the shining cuckoo which is a bird that heralds in the spring and so from here uh, the gospel message took time to build but it did people were eager and they were drawn to Tamiroro Kutia. And in 1923, Henry Williams, also with CMS, um, he came. And he, things started to really progress when Henry Williams came. Um, he changed the focus of the mission, which had been to get Māori incorporated into European society. And he changed that focus. Um, to teaching people about Jesus in their own language. And he was interested in discipleship rather than conversion. And then another thing that really helped Te Rongopai take off and the good news of Jesus um, be spread throughout Aotearoa was when Henry Williams' brother, William Williams, came a couple of years later in 1826. And he had a real gift for um, languages. And um, he got to work really quickly learning Te Reo Māori and translating the scriptures into Te Reo Māori. And so then in 1830 to 1850, there was a massive move of God that just went all over our nation. 
Um, after receiving te pai from the missionaries, Māori teachers and evangelists began to emerge and they took the message of Jesus from village to village throughout the country. And peace and blessing was moving over the land. Our stories of enemies reconciling. People were putting aside utu, um, revenge, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth sort of a concept. And over this time, the move of God was so phenomenal that the British government actually took notice and they commissioned a survey to be done. And the findings showed that the overwhelming majority of Māori professed Christianity. And one of the stories over this time period, uh, you may know, Tarori. And Tarori was the daughter of Nakuku, a Ngātihaua chief, and he was a Christian. And he gifted his daughter a, the Gospel of Luke, which she wore around her neck. And there's some beautiful stories that as a 10-year-old, she used to recite big portions of um, scripture to groups of her people, up to two or 300 people sometimes. And that's as a 10-year-old. And in 1836, war had broken out between rival Iwi and the area that she lived. And tragically, when her father was evacuating her and some others over the Kaimai Ranges, um, she was killed as she was only 12 years old. And traditionally, her death demanded utu, but her father preached forgiveness at her tangi. The Gospel of Baruch that was with Taroli um, was taken by a man named Te Uita, and he was the man who was responsible for her death. And he took it back with him to Rotorua, and he was very curious about what these writings said. So he sought the help of a, a man um, who could read, and his name was Ripaho. And he wanted him to read and explain to him what these writings said. And hearing the writings from the Gospel of Luke um, led him to Jesus. And so Teuita um, went back and he went to seek forgiveness from Nakuku. And there was reconciliation between their two iwis. And that same Gospel of Luke was actually taken with Repaho down to Otaki. And he was able to use that to help people to learn to read and write. And one of those people was Tamihana Te Rauparaha, if you've heard of him. And he um, is a man who came to Jesus and became a missionary to the South Island. Another story is Hoani Mehana. You may or may not um, have heard of Hoani Mehana. Um, his story is um, from where I'm from, in the Manawatu. And he was actually born Te Rangiotu. Um, he took the name Hoani Mehana from the man John Mason, who baptised him in 1840. And John Mason, he was um, an associate of, of, of Octavius Hadfield, if you know who he is. And Hoani Mehana, he was a leader in his iwi, and he was well known around his area as a peacemaker. And in 19, not in 19, in 1868, a dispute over iwi land um, just erupted between Ngāti Raukawa and Rangatane, which are in the Manawatu area. And it was pretty intense. 
They were um, getting together to actually go to war with one another. They had their muskets ready. And it said that Hoani Mehana walked between the two people with his Bible. And on that day, he was able to negotiate peace and new boundary lines for the Iwis. And to commemorate the peace that was won between Rangatani and Ngāti Raukaua, a church was built. And Hawani named it Rangimārie, which means peace of heaven. And that church now serves as the marae for the Rangatani iwi in the Manawatu. And they have 2,000 school kids every year that come through that marae, and they get to hear the story of how the gospel brought peace. Another story um, is one that of my own whānau, how the gospel affected my own whānau and my life, and that's of my tūpuna Wurumu Kingi Te Kawau. And he was the rangatira of Naitai, the chief of Naitai in Tōrere, um, which is near Pōtiki. And he became a Christian as a young man. He had um, a really powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit at the Minahare, which is the, the Anglican Mission Church. And because of his faith, um, most of our iwi came to have faith in Jesus as well because of, because of the witness of how he lived out his faith. And we have a powerful motietia in our iwi that Wurumu Kingi wrote. Um, motietia is like a song of lament or like a song, it's full of poetic language. And in this motietia, um, he pours out his heart about an incident where he was caught in a storm of pressure and rumour. And what had happened if, is um, there was a man named Tekuti, if you've heard of him, and he was pursuing Wurumu to join the Ringatū faith. And at the same time, there was also rumours in his area that he had joined the Mormon faith. And then other iwi in the area were upset about this because they were Anglicans and they wanted him to remain faithful to the Anglican faith. And so with all this going around, um, he really felt the burden of um, keeping his people safe and that um, he didn't want them to have to enter into a space of uh, war. Um, we are quite a little iwi, um, surrounded by big iwi. And so he responded by journeying by himself to go and face all these different groups um, to clear up the rumours and to make known his position. And in this motietia, he reflects on this moment and he compares himself to a bride, to a wife um, who is faithful to her husband, that she couldn't have two and that he would not waver from his faith. And so his courageous and steadfast faith in Jesus is the reason that my iwi still lives on today and that we um, avoided being swallowed up by the larger iwi surrounding us. And my tupuna's faith um, lived on right through all the generations down to me and um, is in my children now as well. And I've got some pictures just, um, out, basically just because I think they're Beautiful, and I'm showing them off. <laughs> this is um, our Farikarakia at our marae. Those are some of my nieces enjoying the sunset. And there's also a picture there of inside um, our church as well. So what these stories illustrate 
is the power of Te Rongapai to transform lives and communities. However, due to colonisation and its effects on Māori, such as loss of land and culture and language, that powerful move of God that was happening was dampened. And I just wanted to share a story about my granddad. My granddad on my mum's side, here he is, um, he radically came to faith in Jesus um, out of being an alcoholic. He had had a very sad and a very tough life. And when he came to know Jesus, life was like night gone to day for him. And right up until his death, he would stop and talk to people on the street um, about Jesus. And when my granddad came to faith, Um, and into the church, it was a time when a lot of churches around the country um, feared the unknown and suspected things like whareinui, uh, Māori meeting houses, and ceremonies like pōwhiri were associated with demonic influence. And so he was discipled into an environment where to be Christian um, meant that you had to be culturally Western um, and not Māori. And my grandfather, um, he was so passionately in love with Jesus that he was willing to give up anything for Jesus. It didn't matter. So he adopted quickly the Western style and practice of faith, and he put aside most of his Māori culture. Uh, My grandma told me a story. um, You can put that um, other picture up of the church there. Um, she told me a story of taking my grandfather to um, this beautiful church in Otaki called Rangiatia. And it's, a, it's an old church that actually got burnt down, um, I think in 1995, but it's been rebuilt since. Um, but my grandma took him to have a look at this beautiful church. But while they were there, he actually left her inside and went out and sat inside, outside by himself and waited for her. Um, And the reason being that he didn't feel right or comfortable with the influence of the Māori design um, within the church. And the sad thing is for my granddad is that Jesus wasn't asking him to put aside his culture. Um, In a way, my granddad's story reminds me a bit of Toiro's prophecy. The name of their God will be Tama Iroro Kutia, a good God, but the people will still be oppressed. And my grandfather met this good God, an amazing God. And without knowing it, the gospel messages oppressed some of the richness God had put in my granddad through his culture. So just to start to finish this morning, um, as we have looked back to look forward, hopefully like Lucy and Edward, We've had an opportunity to immerse ourselves in the story of our whakapapa this morning. As a vineyard church in Aotearoa, and as Christ followers in 2023, we have been placed in this specific whenua at this specific time. And knowing our history as a nation is important to knowing God's heart for our nation. I'm having conversations about some of the tough stuff and our whakapapa is not about provoking guilt, um, it's about relationship. And in a relationship, you are able to grow together 
when you know each other's stories. It opens up a space where we can all celebrate the amazing stuff and then we can together lament some of the stuff where we see injustice. A couple of weeks ago, it was Māori Language Week and we interviewed um, a couple of Māori in our church whānau about their journey to reclaim their language and their culture. And there was just this really beautiful sense of God's spirit that just really settled amongst us while this was happening. And I looked out and I could just see silent tears trickling down people's faces as they listened to the stories. And I liked Dan's description that I heard of Kamua Kamuri, to walk humbly into the future. Like those from Napuhi who were there on that day, In 1814, Christmas Day, we can take on the humble position of making space. And the good news is God is still shifting and moving in our nation. And we, together as participants in this continuing story, can welcome the spring. So I'm just going to finish by just praying for us all. Iti atua, humai ki a mātou te rangimārie, te kaha, te maramatanga, mō Lord, give us your peace, your strength, and your understanding for this day. Help us to walk humbly into the future as participants in your ongoing story, honouring and glorifying you in all we do. Amen.